Red Dice Diaries podcast, a rambling journey through the wonderful world of RPGs by a longtime GM and player. The music at the start of this podcast is Shinigami by Tarek, used under Creative Commons license. Welcome to this podcast. I'm joined by Lloyd and Johannes Pavla, and we're going to be talking about downtimes in games. So, first of all, I think it's important that we classify exactly what we mean by downtimes. So, for myself, when I say downtimes, I'm normally referring to anything that happens off-camera or that isn't really dealt with in exhaustive detail by the actual sort of game session itself or anything that happens between game sessions. Now, do you guys have anything to add with regards to like your own definitions of downtime? Yeah, go for it, Lloyd. Um, yeah, I'd, I, for me, I would say it's the time between plots. The times when everyone is sort of like allowed to do their own thing and explore the world. It's not always... Loosely, if it's stuff like you're not actually involving yourself in the main plot, you're just taking some moment for yourself. When your character takes a step back, away from things happening, to deal with other things and then comes back to the main plot of the game, that's what counts as downtime to me. Uh, basically, same for me, uh, I, like regarding what Lloyd just said, except I would replace plot with action. So there's, there's different games that work in different structures, and they might have like very defined periods of, this is the thing that we do tonight, and after you're done with that, you, uh, you move on to the so-called downtime period, maybe. And... Um, it, it's still like a part of the the session as such, but uh, not a part of the like smash grab stab action bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always seen like one of the benefits of downtimes being that obviously when you're actually like playing the session, whatever your circumstances are, there's only so much time to actually run the session. So there's a lot of stuff which could feasibly like enrich what's going on in the session but that maybe you don't have time to like devote time in the game to because it's not like a hundred percent as important or not in the same way so i feel that downtimes can sort of like take up a bit of that sort of heavy lifting and they can they can sort of add a bit of texture and add a bit of richness to your campaign by allowing you to bring in these extra elements that maybe you wouldn't have been able to deal with at all if you just had the actual session time. I think that's entirely fair. But what actually counts as downtime then? Is it just every moment you go and do something else to bring it to the plot or when you're not doing anything to do with the action or the plot? Or do they both count as downtime depending on what game you're playing? Yeah, I think I think it does depend to a large part on what game you're playing. Um I know for myself, um, certainly recent games I'm running, um, I, that uh, my Rosa Westhaven game and Johannes's Stars Without Number game that I'm playing in, they're sort of quite mission-centric. So although the players choose the missions they're going on, so you're not being railroaded in that sense, you, you sort of pick your mission, you go on said mission, you come back from the mission, there's various like tasks that maybe don't need the screen time. So, for instance, in Johannes's Stars Without Number game, like ship maintenance, like trading, stuff like that. Stuff where it's possibly not exciting enough to like warrant screen time, as it were, but it's still an important part of the game. So, let's face it, 
not many people want to go, all right, I'm going to spend like an hour of my session just like quibbling over the prices of like these like space noodles that I'm transporting to <laughs> to another place. There will be some people out there who like really like get off on that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and sort of like enjoy it. But most people, not really. But by having a downtime that allows you to sort of do that sort of in an abbreviated form, it means that it still has an effect on the game. Because if you're going to be, all right, we're going on a trade mission to deliver something and then like exciting hijinks happens on the way, there needs to be a bit of a setup to like explain why you're on this trade mission. And I think allowing players to get involved with that via a downtime makes it more interesting than just having the GM read out some box text. Well, in that case, just how much should downtime affect the plot or action, as Johannes decided to insist on calling it, Mm-hmm. How much should the downtime affect the actual action that's going on? Should it be so aside, like your trading and your maintenance, so it's doing the things in the background that no one really cares about? Or should it be, well, I'm doing this downtime now, so when we get to the actual game, things can get real. I think, and I can use that thing from downtime to help me out. I think it's, it's both. Uh, it's both a vessel for you to bring in some major shit. Like if you have a downtime project you've been putting hours into and then on session 10 you're like well i have now built this death star that we will use to destroy entire planets uh that's uh, a, a like a fitting use of downtime and also the well we wrecked our ship and we're like stranded on this planet with some some people living on it so we're gonna have to spend like months and months of like scrap building ourselves a new like life support unit or whatever and you just like compress that time and then maybe like have a couple of instances in there where you're cut to like real time and you play out some like tense uh trading thing going on with the locals or whatever but like both like just the the things that you have to do that are maybe not super interesting and also the things that are really fucking interesting and really like in that like affect the setting really uh, a lot yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, the, the first place I really sort of encountered downtime as a formal concept was playing like the old sort of vampire live-action Mind's Eye Theatre game. And that's purely because in that game, as a vampire, you accumulate like influence in various mortal institutions. Because you're a vampire, you like work from the shadows, you're like manipulating people. But obviously you can't... Because re- there's like a limited amount of like NPCs and the game's more of a sort of parlour room sort of like negotiation game. You can't really like accurately represent that. And the sort of like the acquiring of influence and stuff like that, it can be quite detailed. So the way that tended to work in the game is like, say you had like a game a month. Between that, you do like a downtime, so like a piece of paper or whatever. Back in the days before like the internet was a big thing sort of saying, like, in my downtime, my vampire is doing this, 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 and this with his influence. I'm trying to screw over X, Y, and Z whilst also using this to, like, get myself more stuff. Then you get to... You'd hand that into the GM at the start of the game. You'd get, like, your response back saying, oh, your attempt to, like, bring the, the police under your control has worked. You've now got this police influence. You've got this person working for you. Oh, but however, some of your influence in the hospital has like mysteriously disappeared because some of your contacts would be killed, and that all lead into stuff that was that was like set up for the session. But it allowed you to do a lot of stuff that wasn't really feasible for a sort of parlor based sort of role playing game. 
you know, I feel like the Mind's Eye Theatre actually technically invented the modern day downtime. Because a lot of things from the downtime that we have for today, for games that we play, comes from the idea of LARPs where you only had what, three hours in the same space with everyone, whereas all your negotiations and all your planning, and then go, okay, that's done. Now to actually do what I want to do, I need to go out of the game and write it down and come forward. Like, no amount of, like, no matter how many mechanics we mentioned today, no amount of actual effort comes from a game like Vampire, like LARPing or Mind's Eye Theater, where the downtime is where all the action happens. Whereas if it feels it's the opposite, opposite the downtime is where the action happens. Whereas the actual being in a room with people talking, that feels like the actual downtime where you're relaxing because you're not trying to manipulate people there. <laughs> yeah, guess, you're yeah. doing it outside yeah, when strange. the thing comes out. It's, yeah. it's strange. Strange how it's, yeah. I know we're talking about LARP. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But it's yeah, I mean, I, I think as we as we're obviously all aware, that's due in large parts to like the the limitations of the format of that sort of game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking about in a tabletop. Because it's all just described and it's all in your imagination, you can do all these like crazy, like weird, sort of high action things where you're like you're fighting robots, you're flying spaceships, stuff like that. So the downtime tends to be like, oh, we're going to focus on like the less interesting stuff, ostensibly. Whereas when you're playing Mind's Eye, because it's like a live action set in like the real world, you you can't do all of like that sort of stuff in game. So like you say, the 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 actual sessions tended to focus on like the politicking and the discussions and like the primogen meetings and stuff like that, whereas all the action tended to happen in the downtimes because that was like the tabletop bit of the live action game, if you will, where like it was all in your imagination. So you could be like, oh, I'm gonna like posse up with my like fifteen goals and like walk into the police station like <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator with like my shotgun and be like. So this Whereas is a obviously Sabat you game, can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 don't, don't they all end up like that? <laughs> well, it's interesting to bring this up because I feel that downtime activities themselves have reached a point where we can define what a game needs to have its downtime. For example, I would say for any general D and D style like romp Dungeons and Dragons style game. So you're getting your stuff, going in, going to dungeon. That's got a town dang time. It's a bit when you get back to town and then you buy your stuff and you load it in and then you get it ready and then you go. And I'm still talking because Johannes wants to say something and he's giving me the finger saying that he wants to do it and he's waiting to show me your page. I'm going to keep talking until he gets to that point. Feel free to know when you're ready. You've got a town downtime where you go to town and get it done. For your vampire laps. You've got your world downtime where you go out and influence the world, make it happen. They come back to it for your, or, or most simplest thing for your, like, for your, for your treasure, your, like, looting stuff downtime. You've got your expenditure downtime where your downtime is you sitting back with the money and blowing <laughs> it as fast as you can. Just Bookers and blow. Throwing it out. And that's for any game where you're doing a heist. Any kind of heist game that you have. It's all about spending the stuff you get from the heist at the end. Mm -hmm. And strange enough, that goes for like games like Blaze in the Dark or or um or Scum and Villainy or even Star Wars. Any kind of heist game you play, you have the spendage a bit. You you might be buying guns because we're, we're player characters and mm-hmm. we don't and know how to enjoy people. ourselves. Yeah, yeah player characters love people. guns, let's face it. We can't yeah, deny let's it. Face it. We're not going to spend the money on like going out, partying, or like getting food. No, we spend it on guns. That's what we do. 
But that's the kind of thing I get from a heist. Johannes, do you want something to say quickly before I continue? Yeah, because uh, you you mentioned the like you go into dungeons and then you come back and then you have the downtime bit. And I, I don't. Huh? I'm about to talk about Torchbearer. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that. Like how that slipped from my mind because it has like a down phase it's literally called a down phase whereby you come back and you're like well i'm insane now but uh <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I have all this money uh and then you you go on to town and you have your wild hijinks <laughs> i mean per- personally i think that i think that the downtimes like, before the sort of like the mines i third stuff i think they developed in my opinion, from the idea of like needing to rest for a certain period of time to like heal in like the old sort of D and Ds and like the sort of first role playing games, because you get that bit when you're like, oh, we've been down a dungeon, I've had the shit kicked out of me, but good. I'm I'm cutting to these rules. I'm gonna have to rest for like four weeks or some shit to like get all my hit points back before I can go into another dungeon. Now, obviously, you don't want to like role play out like four weeks of you like lying in the bed like go on without me. Go. Yeah and whatever and like eating chicken soup and whatever but you you have to have that time so i think that's probably where like the idea of having like a period of time that wasn't covered by the game maybe first originated not in the sense of like a formal downtime because it tended to just be like all right you've, you've gone to town you've like spent your money or whatever so you can buy whatever equipment you want four weeks have passed you've got your hit points back onto the dungeon no problems but even if you look at like the sort of early dnd and stuff like that when you look at like rules for like taking on hirelings and so that's you know like getting like your torch bearers and like your porters and people to like carry around your big ass sack of loot then there's always like reaction roles and things like that where it's like you can try and influence how much you pay those hirelings so i think in a way that's almost like a proto sort of downtime system very simple but the fact that like oh you have to make a role to like see how much of a good impression you make so based on your reputation with these hirelings, you then have to pay these people in this sort of non-game period before you get back into the dungeon and take some sort of hirelings with you. I think that's probably where sort of downtime's developed and then it sort of got taken further by other games. I think that's entirely fair. But what makes it even stronger is that nowadays, like before we didn't used to have this, but nowadays we have games that are built with downtime already included mm-hmm. and they're factored in because they expect it. I'd like to take a moment to talk about mechanics from downtime games that I've seen. Like, feel free to jump in when you got one. Like, I know you've already done Torchbearer, so we're skipping that. But let's start with the easiest one in the world, the one I, one I love, Mouse Guard. So Mouse Guard has two phases. It has a DM phase and a player phase. The DM phase is when the stuff is happening, and the DM is slamming you over and over and over again, and he's hitting you hard, and you're going through a whole bunch of stuff. But then you get something called a player phase, where... You have options of things you can do. You can go off, you can get patched up, you can do do plot things, you can get more equipment, you can get stuff out. But, this is the same mechanic that kind of Torchbearer has as well. You only get a certain amount of downtime activities to do if you earn them during the GM, the GM phase. So in Torchbearer and in that, you get these things called checks. You take penalties to your rolls to gain these things called checks. And then when you get to the town phase in Mouse Garden and Torchbearer, you can spend them to do things. Everyone gets one for free, and then every extra check that you have saved from your skills and your abilities and your things that you've done, you can spend it to do other things. 
Conan has a very similar thing as well, the new one by Modiphius, where, oh, so, so, so let's split it up, I'll come in a minute, where you can go out and do stuff when you're done. You can, there's, a, there's a carousing table. So if you want to go carousing, you can go carousing on that as well. You can roll from that. Carousing like, I'm go up. chat to people. And there's a random table for you to go on in case you don't want to up anything your mind. But what, what controls that is gold. You spend the gold you've earned to have more carousing time, which is which is strange, but really works for the idea of a spend expenditure downtime. Because by the time the end of, end of downtime, you're out of money, so you want to go out and do that. So a few games have been trying to push that in because it helps structure their downtime. Because some people. Someone just don't know what to do during the downtime. They're like, well, we're home now. I guess I'll just sit at home and do nothing. I've got no problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a similar vein, um, I know Jeff Reance, who did, like, Broodmother Sky Fortress for um, Lamentations, on his blog, there's, there's like, a, a lot of, like, gaming articles, one of which is, like, a carousing-style table. Mm-hmm. And that, again, very similar to the one you've just mentioned, effectively, you, you get to, like, double down on the XP you've earned in like your sort of osr game because like in an osr game unless you're like proper like hitting those monsters hard like in those dungeons and getting that treasure you don't get very much xp so it can take you like a long ass time to like work your way up in levels now that part of the idea of like the carousing was the amount of money you spend which you've already got xp for because you get xp for that gold in osr you spend that money, you get XP for it again when you spend it on carousing, so you're like double dipping on that. So it allowed you to like bump up your XP. And it also, as you say, gave you something to do with that gold. Because let's face it, if you come back to town and you're like, oh, I've got gold for days, I've been like raiding tombs, you buy your equipment for like your next adventure and you're like, okay, still got like a big sack of like 800 gold, sat here doing nothing. And part of the idea of these tables was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you might want to hire some henchmen, you might want to do some extra bits and pieces, but part of the idea of this was like, oh, let's let's give you something extra to spend your money on, and also it can provide, depending on the results of the carousing, it can provide some like extra adventure hooks to like give you a few extra like cool things, like um, using like an adapted version of that table in like, Rose of West Haven, we had... Um, Johannes Einloff's character went out carousing, and he got this role where he's he's got some like ta- he's he's woke up from like his drunken like revelries with like a tattoo that says something like insulting in a language he doesn't know because he got drunk and like got a tattoo. So obviously that's just like a really minor thing, but like at some point in the future, like if he comes across someone who knows that language or who sees the tattoo, it's just like an extra little like plot element you can throw in there. And it's all. It also means that like the characters aren't just sitting there on like massive thrones made out of gold that they've got nothing to do with. I think that's pretty fair. And what really makes me enjoy that is because we've reached a point where downtime has become as much of an important activity in games as the actual plot and action. We. Because we want players to do stuff all the time. We want to encourage them to want to think about the game outside of the game, right? So some games are like, oh, well, we'll take a break now so you can go off and do your own thing and come back. In fact, some games are built entirely on downtime. The case in point, pretty much every Forge by the Dark game. Uh, so you have your Blades in the Dark, Scum and Villainy, your Band of Brothers, your, I don't know, like, 
Dudes in a Dark. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good game. <laughs> the most famous of the game. Yeah, dudes fam- in the, the famous of the so game. Like, dudes in the Dark. <laughs> dudes dudes in the Dark man. by Lloyd Jian coming dark. out in 2019. Don't, te- don't tempt me. I will write that. Will Jans write in the Dark. <laughs> Jans in the Dark. <laughs> so you've got a game like that, right? Where you have a whole bunch of stuff that can happen and the things you can do. But before you get to that point, you have, like, after you do your heist and your cool fun part, which involves, like, that much of the character sheet, you have your entire, like, base you're trying to build up, your connections to people, the factions you follow, the things you do in between. There's so much going on with your downtime that you plan your downtime while you're on your mission. You're like, okay, when we get back, we need to make sure we do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then we'll know it was safe. And then we'll go into a mission and then come back. The game, the Forge of Dark games are very much built on thinking ahead of yourself after you do a mission and come back. Which is really funny because I've recently got a role-playing game called Uprising, which is based on the Resistance world, where downtime has become as important in that game as it is in Fortune of the Dark. Because you're building an army to go fight the resistance, not fight the resistance, to fight the man. So everything you do in your downtime matters just as much as the things you do in the mission. I feel games are building up to the point where downtime will become, eventually, eventually there'll be a game that'll be just downtime. It's just downtime. You don't actually do anything in the game. You just turn up and then you talk about the things you want to do and the things that happen somewhere else and then you carry on. Yeah, I mean, one of the in one of the games I've got recently, which is called the the Nightmares Underneath. It's like an OSR game by Johnston Metzger. The it's a very interesting game, and it it gives sort of like a justification for like the dungeon crawls. The idea of the setting is that um, these these creatures, these entities from like a sort of nightmare realm, have started like impacting into the mortal realm, and when they appear, they sort of twist it into these nightmarish landscapes. And the, the idea of the dungeon crawl is you're exploring these like nightmare landscapes to try and find like the focus that's holding it there, destroy that focus, and everything goes back to being nice and normal. But and the downtime in that has like your normal carousing and stuff like that from like OSR, which all good. It also has a system where you can like invest money in like institutions that you're interested in, in like the sort of town segment. So, for instance, if you're like a, a cleric. You might want to like invest money in your local temple, and once your temple has or whatever it is, like your your apothecary, whatever has a certain amount of money invested in it, it becomes like a, a notable institution. So you, and you start getting benefits back from it. So once you donate, you donate like five thousand gold to like the temple, they start you start getting like preferential treatment when it comes to like healing and stuff like that. Oh priests! <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Priests. But um. Again, that that's a great thing because it, it gives you a, a another thing to spend your gold on, and also it's like a, a sort of sly way of you adding some stuff to the the setting without sort of really having to go into like loads of details. It's like I don't need to like sit down and detail as the GM like every temple in this town. If you're like, oh, I follow I follow the god of like light and healing, oh, I want I want to donate this money to the temple. I'm like, right. Okay, yeah, there's a, there's a temple to like light and healing. You talk about it with the player, defines a bit of the background more, and as you sort of get invested in that, it sort of ties your character more closely to the setting, basically. 
So it's it's another sly way of sort of getting like extra plot elements in an extra interest for the characters in what otherwise might be a fairly sort of dry and dusty part of the game where I mean because I mean let's face it, if every like town face one of a better turn was just like, oh I'm going back to the town, I spend X amount of gold, I buy X, Y, and Z equipment, right, let's go with the adventure. It's not very interesting, but by the same token, because it's it's like a town phase, you know that like most players don't want to spend two, three hours like talking to like, every shopkeeper and by some pondering do. over yes, yeah, some do, but most people don't <laughs> want to spend the time going like, Oh well uh, th- th- this sword looks nice, but I'm not sure if it's as good as like the, the last five I've seen, you know, maybe could you not like five silver pieces off it. Whereas <laughs> you, you you can it's like it's it's also a bit of a compromise because you can sort of satisfy people who do enjoy that by sort of saying, oh, let's make some rolls and we'll give a nod to that. But we're also, without pissing off the people who are like, are bored shitless by that stuff. Because you're like, it's only a few dice rolls. It probably takes like 15 minutes at the start of the end of a session. Then we're into the adventure. So it's a sort of halfway house between the two, really. It's weird that you bring that up because you see, I think I think there's one type of downtime we haven't spoken of, which is story-based downtimes. AKA downtimes that you basically have to move your plots, your personal plot along, things you're investigating, things you're looking on the side, which brings me to something that Johannes mentioned offline. Johannes, why don't you tell us about Love Letters? So, uh, Love Letters come from Apocalypse World by Devinson Baker. Uh, fantabulous game. Um, it's in in a like a very short form explanation. Love letters is a thing whereby I, as a GM, tell you, John, uh, that since we are moving our timeline forward, perhaps, um, and you're playing the the biker gang chief in this like Australian sea desert. That does sound like something I'd do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I write a short blurb of. Uh, which is like phrased because it's called love letters. It's it's kind of phrased in uh, Vincent's examples as as sort of like letters to your character, which starts off like, "Hey Johnny, fuck nuts um, on your chrome bike over there." That, that's my DJ name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 been going pretty well for you. There's been plenty of raiding, but uh, like old Chad over there. Um, He's been, like, eyeing your massively awesome chrome bike and also your uh, harem of of beautiful people that you like to keep as your slaves. Uh, Chad's had his eye on those for a while now. Uh, let's see, has he made any moves yet? And then you roll uh, the mechanic in <laughs> Apocalypse World is 2d6. So you roll, you use the basic mechanic, basically, to just figure out if you roll the best success. Okay, yeah, Chad's just like, he's giving you the eye, but he's he doesn't really want to do anything. Seven to nine is, well, like, he, he's been, like, low-key, like, gathering support to, like, overthrow you, basically. And six is like, well, we're going to start this session with Chad, with his supporters, like, like two-thirds of your gang behind him. He's going to pull a gun on you <laughs> and uh, say, like, Fuck nuts, sorry, but it's, it's it's time for you to go. Uh, so it's basically like these 
like semi-random, like story set up things of moving things forward a bit. Like if you have a gap in in the action of the thing, like if you finish one thing and there's not like an immediate continuation, you can just kickstart the next thing by doing this, basically like giving the option of like getting really fucked over by something uh, I made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. It, I think as well, you see that a lot in like TV series sort of now. So when, when if you see like a TV series, like an, like an urban fantasy sort of program or whatever, or other, other genres of programs, normally in like an episode, there's like the main plot that's going on. So it might be like, oh, they, these people are coming together to like rob this bank. But then there's always like a little secondary plot, which is like a little sort of like personal plot that like is sort of like threaded through it. So it's like, oh yeah, they, they're gonna they're gonna like break into this bank and like rob it. But oh, like the, the getaway driver, like he's doing it because like his brother's like sick, and he like his brother can't like afford the, the medicine to like make him better. And I think downtimes are great for for sort of adding that little bit in, you know, that sort of extra plot, which isn't the main sort of story of the session, but it adds like an extra little dimension to the main story, if you see what I mean. I think I do, in a way where plot lines are always running between each other, and you can use love letters to bring certain other plots that hadn't come to light a bit more forward in a way that people can actually be able to interact with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you said, for example, Chad's brother would be a love letter to Chad, mm-hmm. like, in between races, going, oh, by the way, and also, just so you know, your brother's condition is getting worse. You gotta get yep. some money, you gotta get it soon, or he's gonna die! It's like that. It would really work well. It's interesting, because that could also be covered in that thing you mentioned earlier, Joan. What was... You said something like blue booking? Yeah, just before we came online, we are talking about... Uh, a concept called blue booking which is something i've like i've heard about more than actually done i sort of heard the phrase banded about a little bit sort of like back in the day and i think the idea was basically like each person having like an exercise book sort of in the like pre-internet days and you'd use it to sort of like write down like almost like cut scenes that your your character was getting involved in or extra background bits and like it'd be available for the GM to look at. So let's say you, let's say you're playing like Chad or whatever in this imaginary game we're talking about, and you've wrote down in your blue book like, oh, my, my brother's been like really sick, and like he's he's had to like he, he can't work anymore, so he can't support his family. His wife's had to go out and like take like a poorly paid job, and they're barely making enough to like scrape by and like feed the like sixteen kids or whatever. You, you you write that in there just like a bit of an extra story background and every now and again the gm will have like a flick through these like blue books and he might say like oh yeah that's a good idea we can like do something with that and then that might get expanded it might become part of the actual like mainstay of the game or he might just like write like an extra few lines in your blue book saying that like oh yeah actually like your brother's conditions got worse or like oh you've heard of this guy who's supposedly got like a miracle cure for his like illness but like he lives far out in the badlands and he's got like a bunch of like gun-toting like homeboys who are are, like don't let anyone get near him and you can decide whether to investigate that or not now this and sort of like the minds i downtimes were more sort of stuff i heard about like before the internet and role-playing was such a big thing and I think part of that was, as we say, as as role players, obviously we love to talk about the games that we love and hate. 
you know you like to talk about games outside the games i mean let's face it that that's why we're here doing what we're doing now mm-hmm. but, it's literally what we're doing <laughs> exactly yeah but obviously now you can just if you want to talk about games you can jump on facebook um google plus for the moment um whatever sort of social media you fancy forums emails whatever and you can talk with like other gamers about the games now before like the internet was such a big thing certainly for myself when i went to a game you like you had your game like once every couple of weeks or once a month or whatever you went and did the game you enjoyed it and then you were like oh right okay well i, I might not even be like seeing any of these people again until like the next game session because like they might live in different places whatever so having that sort of like downtime where originally so as i knew it it was like handing like like dropping off your like your downtime that you'd written at the local game store and like the gm would like swing by like every week and pick up whatever was there and like you'd get a response at the start of the session or it could just be like sort of early emails and whatever but it was a way of you sort of staying in touch with the game between the game sessions when we didn't have the ability to just like jump up on facebook and be like oh, i want to talk about like blades in the dark i want to talk about this i want to talk about that Tell me, sell me on this game I can't be bothered to read about. Exactly. All right, John. Um, that hits us exactly on the 30-minute mark, so I think that's it. We can sign us off. Okay, so before I sign us off, does anyone else have anything they would want to bring up about down times? Mm. Burning wheel. Don't you goddamn <laughs> dare. Go on, go on, yeah. Talk, talk to us about burning wheel. Oh my god! <laughs> so but burn my wheel. Go on. <laughs> uh, burning wheel has a system whereby, if there is downtime, you are given, uh, like you you can spend X amount of hours per day uh, practicing your skills, raising your attributes. Whatever, yeah, Lloyd is is doing the eye roll so hard that I think he's he he, he might have <laughs> a hemorrhage. <laughs> uh, basically, like let's say there's a half year uh, of, of time that you need to cover, okay. and um, uh, let's say during that half year, if you spend like eight hours a day working on your uh, magic bullshit skill. Uh, you can you can like check a box like you need X amount of checks to raise your thing. Uh, if there is a downtime period, you can say I'm working on X, Y, or Z, and then you put down the requisite amount of checks that you get for that time, and then your shit raises up by itself. And there is also uh, like a living expenses thing, which we didn't really touch on, which is a, a thing that some downtime systems do. Uh, Burning Wheel does it as well, whereby you might end up being poor, really poor, and <laughs> living on the street. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I, as you know, that's that's something I'm looking to sort of bring into like the Rose of Westhaven game like, at mm-hmm. the start of each sort of like adventure. Each of the player characters is going to be they can pick like, and this I took this inspiration for this from like the Nightmares Beneath, where you can choose like what standard of living you're having, where like you can be like. Everything from like being out on the streets, like down and out, to like living in the lap of luxury with like hot and cold running concubines, the lot. But um, 
now previously in most of those star games there's always been like different like and in D D star games there's always been like different cost ratings for like the standards of living but it's not really like meant anything so apart from like having the swagger value of like being like oh yeah i've been living like a noble for like the last month it didn't make any difference now part of the thing about the nightmares beneath is like where depending on what sort of style of living you have you get to roll on like a, almost like a random event table which determines like whether anything happens as a result of your sort of like your living standard. So if you if you're out on the streets, I think it's like you have to make a roll plus like your strength modifier, and it's basically to see if like anyone like nicks your stuff. So if you're an adventurer and you're like, oh, I got like 500 gold pieces tucked in my pocket, and you're like, yeah, but I'm not sleeping under a bridge, then like a lot of other people under the bridge would like to get their hands on that 500 gold pieces you've got. Yeah, those are and nasty about, people. <laughs> yeah, so it's about whether you can like keep hold of that, but. By the same token, if you're sort of like living the life of luxury, you can perhaps make contacts based on because people will like see you like living the high life. They'll be like, "Oh, he's obviously got a bit about him. He's like a, a good person to know." You get contacts. There's other like various things you can get like on the sort of medium level as well, and it all gives you extra plot hooks you can do, and it adds meaning to something which before didn't really matter that much. To be perfectly honest, it was just how much gold you spent, really. Well, it's cool that you bring this up because I do believe that Burning World does have an interesting system. If if only to the point where its downtime is needlessly excessive. <laughs> okay, let me just let me just point something out. Let me you know, let's let's do this. We got we got a bit more time. We got a bit more time. Let's do this. Burning Wheel has a thing where you can go find an instructor and train your skill up after you paid him some money to get that skill going up a little. You can also go get a job and go work a job. Wrong choice. Never do that. There's a system for it. Never <laughs> for do that. For some reason, I don't know why you would do this, go get a job and go do this. And all of this, all the things you're doing now, is so you can take a box once. That's, it's. there's a lot. I am not saying Burning was a bad system. There is a lot in there that like a billion things in the roleplay industry have stolen from and made it into their own mouse guards entire downtime system. Yeah, it's it's a descendant. Better. Yeah, it's clearly a descendant. And the town phase of Torchbearer is also a descendant. Mm-hmm. But those systems work better because the world they're in was burning wheels just seem structured for no reason. But that's not what I'm talking about. More importantly, I would like to mention that Masks does have a downtime system for certain characters. Some characters have a when time passes move mm-hmm. for when they're in downtime. Like the Janus does, the Legacy does, the Soldier does, where they would have to deal with the consequence of being the characters that mm-hmm. they are. And that, and what's called, by having that stuff come in. So it's all your back plot, because like it's a mass game, so the front plot's a superhero bit. But the back plot is the stuff that's going to end up, so the families, their job, all of that will come forward. Whenever time passes, because yeah, I mean, you'll be ignoring something and keeping something. There's like the um, is it the doomed as well, where they're yes. so like the, the source of their power is like effectively like killing them and something mm-hmm. like horrible is going to happen mm-hmm. to them. And obviously, you only really get to sort of experience that if time's passing in the game. And let's face it, if like if you're like just going on like a mission and that's it. It doesn't really matter that, like, oh, like in two years' time or whatever, like your power's going to kill you. Whereas if you've got these downtime periods where, like, you're mixing with like your family, there's normal stuff going on, and you're like, oh, 
my time's running out. So you get to the point where like, oh, like this this supervillain's appeared. How much do I want to sort of like put my powers on the line? Because like all of this stuff that I've got going on, all this normal sort of everyday life stuff that like I, I like and like your character sort of longs for as the doomed, that's what I'm risking. As well as like my life, obviously, by going up against these supervillains and by tapping into this like destructive power, and I don't really feel you get like the full sort of impact of that if you don't have this sort of downtime period. I think that's fair. More games should have cool downtime mechanics. I think, but to, I think it's a really fun thing to have. To come back to the point you're making about um, Burning Wheel, like having bits where you can like train yourself up in various different mm-hmm. things. Um, there's a system that I've shamelessly nicked for. Rose of Westhaven, which is basically you can pay blar amount of gold to like improve certain abilities, and that's outside the normal structure of like oh I've gained a level, these abilities go up. So you could be like oh I'm I'm playing a mage, but like I, I really want to be like good with a bow, so I'm going to spend like so much gold to like give me like a bonus with a bow. Now again, part of the reason for that is it gives you some stuff to spend the gold on, which isn't just equipment, but also it allows you to tweak the character and sort of like personalize it a bit in a way that actually affects the system outside of the normal level structure but without sort of necessitating an entirely different sort of game structure it's just like a little added like bolt on extra because let's face it if you're like oh i've spent like two thousand gold and like x number of weeks like gaining a plus one to shoot bows it's not difficult to write down on your character sheet like plus one to shoot bows Mm -hmm. but it's like an extra thing that like personalizes your character and makes you different from like the other wizard who's like maybe like studied like a bit of thievery or he's like invested all his money in like becoming like the most powerful wizard in the world or whatever yeah i was gonna say like none of these wizards actually do magic they're just like oh i'm, I'm good at picking pockets i'm a bow wizard <laughs> well you know you say that but like if we had more mechanics like burning mm-hmm. had where you could go train up a skill or certain yeah. thing you would have more variety in characters which is why leveling is wrong but other than that, it's fine. Well, that's. I mean, obviously, the the sort of. It, I'm, I'm not going to deny that like games where you just level up, they they do have their issues. But the obviously a lot of games have sort of gone right. We're going to deal with this by we're going to get rid of level systems. We're going to embrace something else like a classless system. We're going to do something different, and that's absolutely grand. Another, like I say, the this downtime system though, it's approached it by going like, okay, you do still get your stuff for like leveling up, but. Here's like a little extra thing you can do, which also makes obviously like you're going to get loads more gold than you're going to get XP. So you're going to be accumulating gold faster than you can go up in levels in like a typical OSR game. So it allows you to do a little bit of that personalization without having to sit there and think, oh Christ, it's going to be, it's going to be like another like 35 sessions before I like hit level two and I get that sweet, sweet extra hit point. Yeah, oh, that, that, that sounds familiar. <laughs> being, <laughs> being there. And then we died to a bunch of ghouls that we did not need to fight. <laughs> Sad times. The gritty games, the gritty games, guys. Yeah, grim and dark. Just really like it. Any other business? Are we missing anything? Uh, I think. Yeah, that's basically. I think we said we said everything on the topic list I've given out here. Down to mechanics, the dishes. How I mean, like final words, everyone. Uh, final words for me. I think downtime is valuable for allowing you to cover things that you maybe don't want to devote screen time to 
but that can still add a lot to the game and it also allows you in the rules i've been talking about certainly for lsr it allows you to personalize your characters more have them get involved in like the campaign world and do stuff where maybe maybe you like you don't want to like have the spotlight shine on your character like too intensely some people don't like that you might just be like oh well if, if we spend like three hours like dealing with like my sort of like personal problems for my character we're not going to get to the dungeon but you maybe still want to resolve like what happens with like chad's sick brother so it, it allows you an extra creative outlet within the game which i think can only be a good thing I'll go next. Um, I think all games should have downtime activities and even have some downtime activities that take place between sessions so people could go away and come up with a plan and come forward. Because I feel yeah. if you give people a reason to think about... Not not too much. Don't, don't make them have to figure out how the fight rules of Burning Wheel works in downtime. Don't, don't let them do that. That's, no. If you, if you give them a little bit for them to work on and come back to you... It means they'll be thinking about the game outside and they'll come back with a more appro- what's called approachable demeanor for the game goes forward. Also, Mask is awesome and you should all buy it. Carry on. <laughs> That's the obligatory masks. Uh... Sm- smooth, subtly done. Yeah. You know, well, I, I, I love that you work that in there, man. Yeah. Good, appreciate it. <laughs> smooth. Uh, no, yeah, you guys pretty much covered the whole thing. Uh, basically, my, my thing on downtime is I really like it if there's something uh, that you can use either as a player or as a uh, GM because we didn't really talk about the GM. Focus. I was just going to say we yeah. didn't really mention. That. Yeah, so uh, I really like if if players and or GMs can use systems in the, like built into the rules of the game to bring forward like story stuff, drama stuff, um, like just outside of the actual action so like in between sessions at the end of a session at the the beginning of a session like with the love letters because that's where you do those and uh thereby you change what was gonna be uh originally yeah i mean i I think Johannes is absolutely right i mean one of the things we didn't mention is when GMs have mechanics that allow them to sort of like change or advance the setting during a downtime. So like um, Stars Without Number has like faction turns where like the various factions in the game are all like vying with each other and doing various things. Dungeon World has like the steading rules where like towns can change during downtimes. And part of the sort of conceit of role-playing games is you try and make it so the campaign world doesn't seem like it only exists when like the player characters are in the spotlight like it's not like every npc just sort of like powers down and like waits for a a pc to turn up and they're like hello welcome to my store (laughs) hello adventurer (laughs) exactly so i think downtimes where you have like an element of like gem mechanics are great for that because it makes it feel like the world's moving along, things are changing. So, you, to use like Dungeon World, because I'm more familiar with it, I, I might roll on the steading rules and find out, oh, they've had like a shortage of like um, food. And I might think, all right, well, maybe their like crops have failed because like the weather's been bad. So, the players like go back, and like previously they were there, and it was like a big party town, like everyone's like 
getting their food like they're buying their provisions whatever they roll up going oh we've just come back from the dungeon where these provisions at and they're like oh yeah sorry the, the harvests haven't come in you know the weather recently we, we all the provision prices have gone up we can't really sell as much <laughs> and because Inflation, that's happened <laughs> yeah i mean it, it might it might be inconvenient for the players but it also makes it seem like oh well, well we weren't here while that was happening but it feels like the the the, the, the village the town whatever was still sort of moving on. It didn't just sort of like cease to exist when we walked away from it. Which is fair. All right. I think, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I feel GMs are less... I feel GMs should always have downtime compared to players who have a certain things they do on downtime. So all GMs should be using downtime to come up with plots and mm-hmm. stuff like that while yeah. the players are doing their own thing and then work to incorporate to the game. But it's very dependent on the game you're playing. So I didn't really have anything to add to that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything. So thank you to Lloyd and to Johannes for joining me. Thank you to anyone who's listening to this either now or in the future. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Laters. So that's it for this episode. If you have any questions or suggestions for things you'd like to see in the podcast in future, please either email them to reddicediaries at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at Anchor. Until I see you next time, whenever you're playing, take care and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.